Well, my name's Tony Anderson. I have the privilege of serving as the executive pastor and pastor of counseling here. And I have a question before we get started. Have you ever been given an assignment and you thought, why me? Or there's got to be a better way to do this. Or when you're done, you go, was that really worth it? Well, in 2003, my son and I got the opportunity to travel on the very first family mission trip here, led by Bill Winton to Luther, Bahamas. And so basically during the trip, during the day, we stayed at Windermere High School. It was a Christian boarding school there on the island, although the students were gone at the time. And so we did service projects during the day, and then in the afternoon, we did our power-up clubs in the, in the communities. And I told Bill, I said, whatever service project you have, I'm willing to do it. Um, and so there was a resident missionary there who was gone. He, had gone. he was on furlough, and he went back to, um, for a family wedding. And so Bill asked some of the local workers at the high school, what's something that we can do? And they said, well, we have a basketball court where our kids play basketball, and they have teams from other neighborhoods around. And it's very hot, and there's, a con- there's some concrete bleachers there for fans to watch. And what we like to do is sort of put a covering over that because that would help everyone be able to stay a little bit cooler in the sun while they watch. So what we'd like you to do is really dig three big holes in the basketball court right next to the concrete bleachers. And tool-wise, we have this sledgehammer and this shovel. And so for four and a half days in... July in the Bahamas with no cloud cover, I proceeded to dig through first asphalt, then lime rock, and then as that gave way, jump in, shovel it out. And you have a picture here. This was my job for four and a half days was to dig through that with that pickaxe and shovel. And I have another picture. This is one of the finished products here. Each hole had to be about three feet deep and as perfectly square as I could make it. That was a lot of hard work. For someone who was living in an office most of the time, that was hard work. Well, it took me so long that I worked really literally up to about an hour before we had to leave to come back to the States. So then that last hour, I'm collecting my tools, be that what they made, my pickaxe and my shovel, and I'm walking back to their maintenance shed, and they had a young man there named John from Nebraska, who's there as a mission area as well. And he's walking to me and he's got something in his hand. As he gets closer, I realize it's a jackhammer. (laughs) And he says, would this have been helpful? (laughs) Representing Christ, representing Christ. I said, yep, John, that would have been helpful. Well, anyway, we go on back, but I was still, God had worked in my heart in many ways in that trip, and we made plans to go back the next year, and I was really looking forward to seeing the finished product, and the group was bigger in 2004, and so we sort of went in two teams, and Bill's team got there first, but when I got there, I got out of the the bus, and I was walking up, I wanted to see the finished product, and Bill starts coming to me, and he goes, hey, Tony, I just got to prepare you emotionally. (laughs) What do you mean? He goes... Well, the missionary came back and didn't think it would be a good idea to have concrete posts next to the basketball court, so they filled in your holes. Our story today, though, helps give perspective to this. 
So we're in, we're continuing in our story of Hebrews 11 by faith. And again, let's remember our definition that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As we've studied, as God's people have confidence that God will do as he promised, they step forward in obedience. And as we become more confident in our great God, our faith grows, not because it grows in size, but it's present more often. It's an attendance issue. And so we've said to grow in faith is to have faith more frequently. It's not an issue of going from a mustard seed size of faith to watermelon size. It's an issue of our faith being present more often. And today we're going to look at Hebrews 11.30. In Hebrews 11.30, the passage says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, I want to tell you, it's not the walls that had faith, okay, just so we're clear. By, wall, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled by the Israelites for seven days. And the story of this is in the book of Joshua. So if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 6, we'll be there today. And it tells about the, the wall falling, but I want to give a little more background to it as well. Two weeks ago, when I had the opportunity to teach, we talked about God parted the Red Sea, and by faith, the Israelites in their exodus out of Egypt had passed through the Red Sea, then the, red, the waters returned and all the Egyptians were drowned. Well, shortly after that, God told Moses, send spies into the promised land that I am going to give you and basically check it out. And so Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Ten of them come back and said, yep, it's a great land, but the people there are too big those cities are too fortified. We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers to them. And see, they had misunderstood, I say that, what God said. God didn't say, check it out to see if you can take it. He says, I am going to give you the land, go spy it out. But in that case, their faith was not present. Those 10 spies rallied the people to uh, rebel against Moses and not go. And as a consequence, God said, everyone over 20 years old will die in the wilderness. They will wander for 40 years and not enter into the promised land, with the exception of two, Caleb and Joshua, who were two of the spies who came back and said, we can do it because God said he would give it to us. So at this point in time, Joshua is now the leader of the Israelites because Moses has died, and it's time for them to now go into the promised land. And in chapter 3 of Joshua, we have the account of how God told Joshua how they would cross the Jordan River, which was a big river. And at that time of year, it says it was overflowing the banks because it was harvest time. He said, what's going to happen is the priests will carry the ark and they will step into the water. And when they step into the water, I will stop up the water upstream. And he did about 18 miles upstream. So unlike the Red Sea, where God parted at first, then they walked through the priests actually had to get their foot in the water. Faith required them to actually step in. And they did that. And when they did, the water stopped flowing. The Israelites were able to cross through. But as soon as the last one got out of the river, the water returned and again overflowed the banks. So they are now in the promised land. And if they needed a means of escape, that just got cut off. That's where they are. And we know from last week the, those in Jericho, the king of Jericho is very aware of the Israelites because he has heard stories. And so what he has done is he has put the whole city of Jericho on lockdown. Because of the Israelites, no one was to go in or out of the city. Now let me tell you a little bit about the city of Jericho so you have a concept here. 
I looked for some diagrams, but I, they were just deficient in, in my opinion. So the city of Jericho was encircled by two walls. The lower wall that went all the way around, it started out, and it says that it was a stone wall that was about 12 to 15 feet high. On top of that same wall, it extended with was, was a mud brick wall about 20 to 26 feet high. So it was at least five stories high all the way around the city. Behind that first wall was an earthen embankment that probably extended above the wall. And on that earthen embankment, there were houses and structures built. Some people probably lived on that earthen embankment. Then above that was another wall, an earthen mud wall uh, that encircled the city as well. So they had these two large walls all the way around it. It had just been the harvest season, so they are well watered, they're well supplied, and they're well fortified. Now, because I think it's relevant for our story, the city itself is probably only nine and a half acres, which is um, about three quarters the size of our total campus. We're 13 acres. And so it was believed to be a half a mile around the, the total city. And so we have, that's where we are in the beginning of, in the beginning of chapter six. God says, Moses, after they had been put on lockdown, he says, see, I mean, Joshua, see, I have given you the city and the king and all its valiant men. And this is how you're going to conquer the city. He says, you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do that for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a loud blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout out with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Now, just imagine if you're Joshua. Wait, what? We're just going to walk around once? By the way, we're going to take a half-mile walk six days a week? That's, that's a plan. Now, again, Scripture doesn't say that Joshua hesitated at all, but can you just imagine you're there with an army, you have no means of escape, and you're, the battle plan is to walk around this heavily fortified city for seven days. But that's exactly what they did. I want to give you a picture. Here's our campus. I showed it to you two weeks ago. So just imagine something about 75% of this size. And so for six days, 40,000 men and the priest walked around the city, providing a front and a rear guard. And then on the seventh day, it says they rose early because they had seven laps to do that day. And they went about doing their assignments just as God had instructed them to do. And it says in verse 20, so the people shouted and the priest blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. So when you picture what actually happened, where just by walking around the city, then these great walls fell you can understand why the writer of Hebrews says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down when they were encircled for seven days. So as I look at this passage, what can we learn from this? What, what can we learn? I think what I want us to focus on today is that when we live by faith, we are conquerors. We are conquerors. 
So if we're going to be conquerors, we have to understand the mission. Two weeks ago, I said the, the Israelites went forward on faith because they were on mission. But God's mission since the creation of time has been to fill this whole world with his glory. We're in, we live in a lost and dying world that needs to know our great God. And that's his mission. It's a, passages like Isaiah 48, 9 through 11 make it clear that God's actions are all for his name, his praise, and his glory. Because when we think about it, what else is worthy of praise and glory? Now, we have to admit there are things we glorify, things we praise, but everything else other than God was created by him or through him. So why wouldn't we bring glory and praise to the eternal one who made all things? And that's his mission for us. Isaiah 43, 7 says, for those who are called by my name, our purpose is to glorify God. Have you ever struggled with, what's my purpose in life? Have you heard a young person maybe saying, I'm just trying to figure out what my purpose is? If they're Christ followers, your primary purpose is to glorify God in everything you do. Jesus said in Matthew that when we are going about doing our good works, they are to see our good works and do what? Glorify the Father in heaven. Not glorify me, glorify the Father in heaven. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What falls outside of whatever? Nothing. Everything should be about glorifying God. So that, that's our mission. In the same way God told the Israelites how to fill the world with his glory by encircling the city, we are told the same way. That's why our mission statement here is to grow fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ followers. God says we are to go make disciples. That is our mission. So I think as we look at this narrative, we see that by faith we are conquerors when we take two steps. And the first step is by faith we carry out our biblical assignments. We carry out our biblical assignments. The Jaguar head coach, Gus Bradley, before he was a coach of the Jaguars, was the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. And they had a pretty good, they were, they had a pretty good defense. And there was a time in a game, and there's a video of this if you want to go look for it, where evidently the defense wasn't playing that well. And he pulls everyone over on the defense, and then he goes on this rant. And he looks at each one of them personally, and he says, do your job. He looks at another, do your job. The idea being that if each one of them individually would do their job, they would be successful. And so I thought about that, and I thought about saying by faith we do our jobs, but I, I thought that that might be too, we might think of it too narrowly, that we might think of our vocation, maybe our primary role in ministry, and it's broader than that. So I use biblical assignments, and I define that this way. Biblical assignments are simply the responsibilities the Christ follower is commanded by God to perform. They're the responsibilities that we are called by God to perform, to carry out. And if he's commanded us to do it, he will hold us accountable and hold, and, uh, for being faithful in that. And so we see from the narrative here, from the story of Jericho, the Israelites carried out their assignments. They did not rest until the walls fell down. When they crossed the river, they didn't take this attitude. They could have said, I'm going to pull up my beach chair, my umbrella, and I'm going to watch because God, if this happens, it's all you anyway. I'm a man of war. I'm not into walking. I'm just going to sit here and wait. They didn't do that. They did what they were instructed to do. 
They provide, the priests did what they were supposed to do. The men of war had a front and a rear guard. Because I thought it was interesting, God, when he disclosed the plan, did not say they wouldn't be attacked. Didn't say they would, but he didn't say they wouldn't. So they carried out their responsibilities, prepared for whatever might come. And so I think that's instructive for us. But if we are going to carry out our biblical assignments, we have to recognize there's not a we without an I. And so I broke it down to, I want us to think of this first person. I must recognize God has given me biblical assignments. God has given me biblical assignments. In this story, there is work for everyone to do, and there's work for every one of us to do as well. And if you notice, when people don't work, they usually do one of two things. First, they may applaud. Y'all are doing a great job. Or they're criticizing. How could you do it that way? If I were in charge, fill in the blank. And a lot of times the applause soon turns to criticism once their interests aren't being served. We are called each to carry out our assignments. And I want us to think of it really in two broad contexts. The first one is in our area of spiritual gifts, our spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit has assigned to each one of you Christ followers at least one spiritual gift. And it also says the Holy Spirit has empowered you to use that spiritual gift. He assigns it and he empowers you to use it. And the reason is we are to use those spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ so that it would grow and God would be displayed. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says, we, the church, are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We each, we can't delegate, we each have a role to play for the growing up of the church. That takes us back to our mission. In Ephesians 3.10, Paul says that it's God's plan that his, God's manifold wisdom, would be displayed to the seen and the unseen world through the church. So when I shrink back, there's some aspect of God's manifold wisdom that I am not displaying. I am not being faithful in the mission that God has given me. So we have to recognize our spiritual gifts are important in the mission that God has for us. The other thing I want to talk about is roles, what roles we have. See, I am a Christ follower, but I also am a husband. I am the father of an adult son who has a wife. I am a son to my mother. I am an elder of this church. I'm also a staff member, so I'm an employee of this church. I am your brother and sister in Christ and a close brother and sister to those in my family group. I am a citizen of, of the United States in the state of Florida. I have been and probably will be again a sufferer. In all of those roles, God has given me assignments to carry out. And so you, I want you to see that's why I didn't just say do your job. Our responsibilities, our assignments can be in whatever roles that God has placed us in and also in deploying our spiritual gifts for the building up of his body. So we have, I have to recognize I have assignments. And then I think I have to remember I must carry out my assignments believing in the promises of God. 
I must carry out my assignments believing in the promises of God. Think of the Israelites in this case. They're men of war. This is not your normal battle plan. And so, walk around the city, day one. They do it day two. They're looking up. I don't see any rocks crumbling. I don't see any hinges getting ready to break. I don't see any gates really to fall. But they keep doing it every day because God has said the wall would come down. We have to be the same way about that. We have to keep working and carry out our assignments even when public sentiment changes. You know, as I think about the issues that face our country, you know, 50 or 60 years ago, even those who were not Christ followers would have been aligned with us on most of these major issues, such as the right to life, what traditional marriage looks like. But now public sentiment has changed, but we still need to carry out our assignments believing in the promises of God, which means you got to know them. But let me just share four with you. This is extra that I think would be helpful. Uh, Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So first of all, loving God and obedience is non-negotiable. Obedience is required. But Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Jesus promises the indwelling Holy Spirit, which will empower us to do our assignments. So anytime God calls us, he enables us. We never have to worry that what the Bible calls me to do, I can't do. We have to recognize in those cases, it may be I won't, but it's not an I can't. That's the first promise. Second, another promise, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. If you are seeking out to carry your responsibilities in God's strength, according to the way he has instructed you, you will be fruitful. You will be fruitful. Digging a hole and having it filled in was fruitful because I was doing it out of love for God. And I do believe I gave a testimony there during that week. And I do know God worked in my heart to start loosening some tent pegs in my own life about how I wanted to serve him. So your work in the Lord is always fruitful. You never have to worry, is this worth it? Third promise, James, if you are a doer of God's word, you will be blessed. Just got to acknowledge, right? Can we agree that what this calls us to is hard? In fact, without the power of the Holy Spirit, many times it's just impossible. But God says there is a present blessing if we seek to walk in obedience. That's an important promise when, when carrying out our assignments are hard. And then Jesus reminded us in Matthew five twelve that if you are persecuted or insulted because of Jesus, your reward in heaven is great. There's not only a present blessing, there is a greater reward in heaven when we persevere in our assignments, even though we are persecuted because we're identified with Christ. Those are some great promises to hold on to as you evaluate what assignments do I need to be doing or carrying out? Because we got to stop and, and just acknowledge one thing. When we do not carry out our assignments, that shows our theology. In that moment, we are saying, and we not, might not want to admit it, but we truly are saying, God, I don't believe you are sufficient. I don't believe you will provide in this case. I don't believe you will protect in this case. Or, and I think we see this a lot, I don't believe 
the promises, the blessings of faithfulness. I don't believe the blessings of faithfulness are greater than the things I'm trying to hold on to right now. Whatever your promises of blessings, Lord, they're not as important, they're not as good as individual peace or comfort or my material things or the physical pleasure I want. That's the reality of what we're saying. And if we're going to carry out our assignments and be conquerors, we have to walk believing those promises. I'm also to carry out my biblical assignments on a regular and consistent basis. You know, you see from the account here, the Israelites did their job every day. There wasn't a sense of, well, I, walked, I took a lap on Monday, I took a lap on Tuesday. If I don't have a coffee date, maybe I'll go back on Thursday and walk the line again. They did it every day because that's what God expected of them. And as a church it, called by faith, we have to be working on a regular and consistent basis. Think of your own vocations whatever they may be, in or out of the home. If you, if you worked, showed up for work Monday and Tuesday and then said, you know, I don't feel like showing up today, the next day, and you did that on a regular basis, you would be without a job. What if you're at home and you go, you know, I think I'll feed the kids today. Maybe I'll get back to feeding them again on Thursday. Okay, that's not good stewardship. We have to be regular and consistent about what God has called us to do. And many times in our roles, which I went through, that is a daily commitment to daily carry out our roles. But let's also think about our spiritual gifts here that we've been assigned. I don't think you can read this book, God's word, and say, and biblically say, you know what, this is just not the season of life for me to use my spiritual gifts. Just too busy, can't do it right now. I don't think you can. Now, I do think there are seasons of life where maybe you can't do a weekly commit or maybe you can't do it on Sunday or maybe geographically you can't do it on this campus but you can do it from home. But we are to always be using our spiritual gifts on a regular and consistent basis. Because I have a concern that some in the church, and I think this goes across all demographics, sort of live on a project mentality. I'll find an a short-term project where I can check off the box that I've served the Lord, but I don't want to commit to anything regular because something better may come up. I want to keep my options open. And I think that hinders how the church can effectively minister to each other and to the community. Um, but we do have many, and I just want to encourage those of you who do have that consistent, regular use of your ministry. Our setup teams, for example, they, they, have, they take two months a year where every Sunday morning during those months, they are here before 7 o'clock setting up our tables, setting up our signs, making the coffee, unlocking doors, and they stay throughout all three services. And while we're already eating our lunch, they're still bagging garbage, locking the doors so that we can just show up and have our ministry and fellowship with one another. We have women and men who regularly are teaching in our nursery and our children's ministry, teaching our children God's word, pouring into them, but also freeing us up to come in and be fed. I'm so grateful for them. And then one other, I think about our security team. Those guys come up every Sunday, again, before 7 o'clock, and also on our weeknight activities, in effect, praying, I hope I will not be used. Can you imagine preparing for ministry and then not being used? 
How quickly could a sense of apathy or what's the point creep in? Yet those folks show up regularly to carry out their biblical assignments. And I'm grateful for everyone who does that. We're called to make disciples. We're called to impact the community. And that has to be done on a regular and consistent basis. And I have to carry out my assignments according to God's instructions. I, you, can only expect God's guidance and his blessings and his help when we do our assignments according to the way the word of God tells us to do them. Think of the Israelites. Again, their instructions, once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. And it says in Joshua 6.10 that Joshua says, don't even speak while you're making your circles. Seems strange, but those were the instructions. And it's possible as they were walking around Jericho that the men of Jericho on the top walls could have been jeering them, talking trash, so to speak. What are you idiots doing? Doesn't say that. But again, walk totally silent these seven days. And so we have to make sure that, well, first of all, we have to acknowledge, just like the Israelites in that story, we have some far out instructions, right? Sometimes it's like, God, this just doesn't make sense. And the one I want to, that comes to mind is verses that speak to the concept of love your enemy, overcome evil with good. How many times do we encounter enemies, people who oppose us? Sometimes we live with them. Sometimes they're at school. Sometimes they're in the workplace. And God says, overcome evil with good. Love your enemy. But as I thought about it and prayed about it, it sort of makes sense, right? God's mission is we are seeking to fill the whole earth with his glory. And we're in a spiritual battle and we encounter evil. We're opposed. If you're in a battle and someone comes at you with a weapon or a force, you prevail by coming back at it with a greater force. And the love of God is that greater force. So although it may seem far out, that is actually how God is displayed. When your enemy's hungry, you feed him. Thirsty, give him something to drink. And then the passage gives the impre- get, makes the statement that um, the, just the total uniqueness of that response to evil may be used by God to grab their attention and point them to the God in heaven. So we have to do things the way God has instructed us. So right now, I hope you've been thinking, what are my biblical assignments? Where do I need to carry them out in accordance, believing God's promises regularly and consistently the way he has instructed me? And then I think there's another step that helps us, though, to be conquerors, and that is by faith we stay the course. By faith we stay the course. Now, the term means, it's long, so I'll let you write it down, to continue to do something until it is finished, to persevere even if it is difficult. To continue to do something until it is finished, to persevere even if it is difficult. A little more background on on the Israelites at Jericho. If you're familiar with the story, two and a half tribes of Israel were given the land, their inheritance was land on the other side of the Jordan on the condition that the men of those tribes would go across the Jordan with with their brothers and sisters and fight with them until the land was conquered. So for two and a half tribes, they left their wives, their children, and their possessions back on the other side, praying that God would protect them while they were gone. 
And so for folks like that, they came over and to them, it had, they had to think, you know what? Wouldn't it be better if we, if, you know, God's powerful enough that we just defeated Jericho in one day. That would be an encouragement to us. It would discourage the inhabitants of the land. There just seems like there was a better way. But they, in their faithfulness, did their job. They stayed the course just as God has, had told them to do. So for us, when we're trying to carry out our assignments and stay the course, I think there are really three areas or three ways that we might start to wonder about that. Or first of all, when the desired result seems unachievable. I know this is what God says, but it seems like the desired result just ain't going to happen. Well, two things to remember. First of all, the mission is to glorify God. And so when we are faithful, showing he is worthy of praise and devotion, then the mission is accomplished in that sense. But we don't know how God works. I think of our missionaries who go year to year, furlough after furlough, back into the, the regions where they are ministering, even when they haven't seen a single conversion. They are staying the course. Maybe it's hard to stay the course when I like the desired result, but it's too costly or hard for me. You know, Tony, you're giving this great story, but it was over in a week. My assignment may require the rest of my life, and I don't know if the desired result's ever going to happen. Well, we've looked in Hebrews 11. A lot of people died not seeing the result of their faith. So we have to remember that. And also, there's sometimes when the assignment, we like the outcome, but it seems like, in my opinion, there's a better way to do it. God, I know your way says this. I wouldn't say it out loud, but I think I know better than you in this case. We, we've wrestled with that, right? When we see what God calls of a biblical husband or a father or what it means like to obey, maybe as a teenager you're the only believer in your family and to obey your unbelieving parents, it's like, I shouldn't have to do that. But that's God's way. So the Israelites, I think, in this case, could have struggled with all three of these things. You know, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. There's a better way. It seems too, it's too costly for us. So we have to remember that we should not shrink back and we should stay the course. In that area of like overcoming evil with good, it doesn't seem to make sense, right? We're doing good, we're getting evil back and it keeps happening, it keeps happening. As a soldier, I like what Spurgeon says, as a soldier, we cannot understand it. But as children, let us believe it. We are to have faith like a child. God, if this is how we are to act and respond, I trust you. So we have to stay the course, and I think staying the course, though, will be aided if we reflect on victories won. If we reflect on victories won. And now, in this case, what I'm not, the Israelites in this case, for some of them, as probably remember as children passing through the Red Sea, they saw God work there. And they maybe recognize the stories from the patriarchs that God had provided for Abraham, Isaac, Joseph. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about looking for victories won in the present circumstances you're serving in. So in this case, as they were going around on a daily basis, what they could have thought of is this. We do have at least one believer, maybe up to seven, already inside the walls of Jericho, right? Rahab. And because of her faith, her mother, father, brothers, and sisters were going to, going to be spared. Now, we don't know how many of them actually had faith then, but at least Rahab did. So there was already fruit in the land. 
They had crossed the Jordan. They had been cut off, but yet they had not given up any ground yet. That's a victory. And every day for seven days, they put the symbol of their God on display. They gave testimony to the one true God. There were wins already while they worked. And I think we would be good to look for those wins as we try to stay the course. In the counseling ministry, we struggle with this all the time. We might counsel someone, a man or a couple, and it seems like week after week, there's no change. They're digging in their heels. We don't see any growth. But then maybe that we fail to think, well, the couple that comes right after, they've had great change as they learn to walk in obedience. We need to look for those things because when it does, it gives glory to God. And it reminds me, I'm not the change agent. I'm the same counselor. God is the one who works in their hearts and they are the ones who either choose to obey or not. So if you're persevering in a difficult job, just think about the fact you're a testimony to your coworkers. You are being an example maybe to that difficult boss. When you're a student faithfully sharing the gospel with a friend and all it does is bring um, heckling to you, just recognize you don't know what testimony you're, you're making. So if we carry out our biblical assignments and we stay the course, I think this passage clearly tells us that we will conquer. We will conquer. At the Battle of Jericho, the victory was sudden and it was complete. And we may have those victories where there's something sudden and complete, but it may happen over time. It may take time. And we just have to remember that what, by faith, what that calls us to do is simply do what God has commanded us to do, trusting he will do as he has promised. And when we do that, we will win and the glory will be all his. So let me ask you this question before you close up. Can you commit today to say, I'm going to prayerfully ask, what are my biblical assignments? What are my spiritual gifts? What roles do I play in my relationships? And then will I commit trusting in God to faithfully perform them the way God has instructed me to do that? And I will stay the course, even when things may not be see, seem like they're working. Because if we do that, we will be victorious. We will impact this community for Christ and be victorious in his mission to fill this whole earth with his glory. I want to close with this passage here. 1 John 5, 3 through 4. This may be one you actually want to memorize. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. When we do what God instructs us to do, trusting him to do what he has said, we will overcome the world. Let me pray for us. Father, we, you are a good, good father. We are so grateful that you do not need us and that your plan will be fulfilled. But we are grateful that you allow us to participate. So Lord, out of love and devotion for what you've done for us at the cross, may we seek to Fill the whole world with your glory, Lord. We want others to know the love that we have experienced. So I pray for each one here that we will prayerfully consider where we need to step up in carrying out our biblical assignments, Lord. But knowing that you love us, you, there's nothing you can, we can do to have you love us less or love us more, but that we can participate with you in sharing the good news to the lost and dying world around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Hope to see you at the food courts. God bless, a uh, food court, food truck. That is not on the plan. We do not have a food court coming, but we do have food trucks. So God bless. <laughs>